Hi everybody and welcome to another episode of Creekside Outdoors. I've got a good episode for all you dog owners out there. Um, very important issues come up in Pennsylvania uh, where they're trying to sneak in some backdoor regulations on um, you know, the honest to, to goodness uh, kennel owners and, and I got a, a special guest with me, Mr. John Yates from Eagle Rock Kennels out in Oil City. John, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Hi, Eric. Uh, thank you for inviting me. Sure. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I've been seeing your posts all over the, uh, you know, the internet message boards, the Cover Dog and Hunting PA, and and all those things. And this is an important issue for, um, you know, the 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 trialer, the the dog breeder, the, uh, you know, the dog trainer, and and you know, what's what's going on here? What, why is this well, such I a scary this thing? Goes, this issue goes way beyond important. It goes, it's a life and death issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, the regulations that are being proposed by Governor Ed Rendell are going to put almost all of us out of business. Uh, I've been in the dog business almost 40 years. Uh, as a trainer, I breed English setters, I train hunting dogs, I train and handle field trail dogs. Uh, and I have yet to see a kennel in my entire life that could meet these regulations or even come close to these regulations. It's, uh, it's going to affect all 1,500 licensed kennels in Pennsylvania. There are 1,500 of us that have state licenses right now. Mm-hmm. Every one of us is going to affect. Most of us is either going to shut down or put us into a, a situation where we're in, we're in total noncompliance with the new regulations. And what do you think uh, the, the logic was behind people trying to get these? You know, and, and it seems to me, uh, to take a step back, further that these are coming backdoor tactics because not many people really heard about it until that that pa bulletin was released and right. and you know now it's you know I, I from what i recall it was december 16th when it was introduced and here we are uh you know almost halfway through february and and you know we're just the, the the kennel owners are just now kind of getting the ball rolling uh, you know to fight this and believe me we found out about it by pure accident mm-hmm. they never informed us that they were considering uh, new regulations they never asked for our input and our suggestion that's terrible uh, this whole situation started more than a year ago okay uh, governor rendell this i don't think has been reported uh, governor rendell fired the entire dog law advisory committee okay fired all 16 of them and replaced them with his own people uh, that was not reported. That was not known to the public. I, again, that's something I found out by accident. Mm-hmm. You know, there has been a total different tone in the Bureau of Dog Law Enforcement since uh, that happened. Uh, suddenly, these relation, these new uh, proposed regulations are released. Uh, they've all been written. They've all been cast, you know, in semi stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have not been asked. We're the regulated party. Uh, the general public has not been asked. We weren't even notified to give comments to it. They were trying to hush-hush it uh, through. The, uh, the original deadline for comments was February 15th. <laughs> we found out about it less than two weeks prior to the deadline, and there's a 60-day period for comment. Jeez. Nobody even told us that they were coming, let mm-hmm. alone gave us a chance to comment. It was sheer accident that we found out. And I think that says something where uh, where the governor's coming from, where the state uh, uh, is coming from on this issue. Uh, it's they don't want our participation. Um, if you pass a law, any law, let's say a murder law, mm-hmm. you assume most people are not murderers. Right. Uh, that if you pass a law saying you shall not murder anyone, uh, you assume most people are not murderers and want to be protected. 
from murderers. Mm -hmm. In this case, they're putting through regulations that determine, as far as I've ever seen, 100% of the kennels in Pennsylvania are illegal. <laughs> We're not talking about bad apples here. We're not talking about the one in a hundred that might be a problem kennel. Exactly. We're about all the kennels, every single one of them, 100% of them. Uh, that's not a law. Right. That's murder. That yeah. is a bullseye on her back that's targeting us, that's trying to destroy us. Mm-hmm. It, it, this, it, it, it really is, it's mind-boggling, at least to me, that, uh, you know, that all this stuff it went on, you know, behind, you know, closed doors, so to speak, and, mm -hmm. um, you know, there really wasn't much for, uh, you know, the, the, the kennel owners and, and people of that nature to actually, you know, build a case, and, you know, the sure. comment, like you said, the comment uh, period wasn't even really released, um, you stumbled on it by, you know, by luck, you say, and what what can we do? Uh, I understand um, that legislators do have a little bit of say in in, yes, in the do. output. Let me let me describe the process. Okay, to you. great. Uh, the proposed regulations are published in the Pennsylvania Bulletin for a sixty-day um, period of time to allow the public to comment. Okay. The uh, state has what's called the Independent Regulatory Review Commission, which consists of a Republican and a Democrat from the House and a Republican and a Democrat from the Senate, and a fifth person nominated by the governor. Uh, their job is to review the proposed regulations and the comments about them, uh, to say, yes, we'll pass those regulations, no, we won't pass those regulations, or we'll modify them. The House and Senate committees involved uh, with the subject matters of the regulation. Uh, kennels are considered part of the Department of Agriculture in Pennsylvania, so the House Agriculture and Rural Affairs Committee and the uh, the equivalent Senate Committee are the oversight agencies. Okay. They can step in at any point, uh, and uh, you know, and they can again, you know, they can throw them right back and say rewrite them, fix them, scrap them, uh, or approve them. Mm -hmm. um, so they do have that oversight potential, but you know, it's not guaranteed if they. Uh, uh, they don't have to uh, to do anything. They can simply sit by and watch if they want to. Jeez, oh, that's 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 frightening. Um, what, what... It is frightening. It is frightening when you can pass a law that makes a hundred percent of the people guilty. It's frightening. Yeah, absolutely. What? Yeah. What can you know? Uh, you know, I now I, I have one pointy dog. You know, I'm I'm a dedicated grouse hunter. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, what, what can someone like myself do to, you know, to combat this? Because, um, you know, I got my dog from a reputable kennel, and sure. and I'd hate to see them, uh, you know, go under just as much as I hate to see anybody who, who's reputable sure. and, and um, you're supplying people with, you know, in your case, excellent trial and grouse dogs. It, it's, it seems an absolute crime that, um, you know, it would force you, you know, to take your operation out of state, which... You know, Pennsylvania is yeah, a steep, yeah. steep grouse traditional and, and state. Is, I'm seriously considering leaving Pennsylvania for that reason. That's and it's such a, a shame. Other people are too. Mm -hmm. What could what could yeah. I do? You know, uh, I've I've written, um, you know, my representative, my senator, everybody on the on the ag sure, uh, that's committee. A huge start. Um, what that's is, a is huge what start. is that something that you know we should we should get everybody on on uh, you know the same page and say at least fire off you know uh, emails or or le your hard letters obviously are better because they. You know, they have to be opened and read. Um, but well, is, is that is that a good start view, for people? 
That's a very good start okay. for people. I mean, there are only 1,500 of us. Now, 1,500 sounds like a big number, mm-hmm. but Pennsylvania has somewhere around 12 million people. 1,500 is a very, very small number of people when it comes to the whole state. As many people who can write in support us, mm. uh, contact their own legislators, their own state senators, contact the governor, and file written comments uh, to the uh, Department of Agriculture to be presented to, in answer to the uh, uh, Regulatory Review Commission. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that would help us immensely. Okay. And, you know, the stated purpose of the new regulations is to eliminate what is men call puppy mills. Right. You know, puppy mills, of course, has a totally negative connotation. You know, someone who is just takes horrible condition, you know, care of their dog, keeps them in awful condition, and just, you know, breeds them like, you know, like farm animals mm-hmm. to, to, to make money. I've been in the dog business almost 40 years. I've never seen in my life, I've never seen a puppy mill. I mean, have you seen a puppy mill ever? Nope, I've never never seen one. No. Nope. And there are certainly some large breeders, but any, I mean, let's I mean, let's, let's look at it. It's hard to do this because emotionally we love our dogs, mm-hmm. but let's look at dogs as agriculture. I mean, if you were a, a farmer raising da- dairy cattle, mm-hmm. could you starve your cattle? Absolutely not. No, you'd go out of business yep. in about you know, a month. Mm-hmm. You know, could you mistreat your cattle? We know their milk production would drop and you'd be out of business. Sure. You know, could you keep them in unsanitary conditions? No, the, the dairy inspectors would shut you down. Right. Yep. Uh, besides that, your milk wouldn't pass the, the bacteria test. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody who is involved in raising animals, both as a hobby and, 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 and professionally, uh, they have to take good care of their animals or they're out of business. Very good point. They're out of business. Uh and in that way, the marketplace really does determine a whole lot about what's good for animals. Mm-hmm. You cannot have a successful kennel. By successful, I mean one that doesn't, you know, go under and 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 and, and starve you to death. Mm-hmm. You cannot have that if you don't take very very good care of your animals. Sure, and so where I mean, these puppy mills, where are they? I mean, I've, you know, I've been in the business a long time. I've never seen one. I've never met anyone who told me they saw one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, where are they? Yeah, I, the only one I'm, I'm aware of, and I was the one I was exposed on on the, the Philadelphia News down here was the mm-hmm. there's one apparently out near Lancaster, and that's that's the only one that I've seen, um, yep. you know, even even uh, mentioned. And it was you know a one night news thing, and then it was gone, and yep. you know and forgotten. And were they ever con- were they ever convicted it, in a court of law? It, probably or not. Was it a smear job. Yeah. Pro- there are. I mean, there are very strict animal cruelty laws out there. Mm-hmm. You know, the humane societies around the state have uh, have enforcement power, uh, basically police power. Mm-hmm. Uh, were these people ever convicted? Did they did it ever stand up in a court of law? Uh, and you know, this is this is America. We're innocent until right. we're proven guilty. Exactly. Uh, were they ever convicted? Have you know have? And if so, is it one kennel out of fifteen hundred? One kennel out of how many kennels in the state? Um, I mean, if one person is convicted of murder, is that any grounds to think you might be a murderer or I might be a murderer? Yeah. Uh, there are bad apples in every barrel. Sure. Whether you're talking about, um, you know, about kennels, about business, about politics. I mean, if you're going to read a story about a bad apple or hear a story on the TV news, it's probably about a politician that's guilty of corruption. Mm-hmm. It's probably about a politician that is... You know, doing something that most of us would consider immoral. Mm-hmm. 
uh, you know, when's the last time you've heard a news story about a kennel operator or a farmer, you know, or a horse trainer uh, doing something that was absolutely horrible? Yeah. And was that, you know, and you know, we we, we don't have, you know, the the lay scandals of Enron in our business. We don't mm -hmm. because the marketplace really is a brutal judge and jury. It, sure. Uh, if I take poor care of my dogs. People come to my kennel. They don't buy a dog from me. They mm -hmm. don't send me a dog to train. Mm -hmm. um, the marketplace really does determine what society thinks is right and wrong. Sure. Uh, when it comes to business. Sure. Now let me let's let's dive into these these new. I, I don't like to use the word proposed because they're pretty much on the slate. All they have to do is is you know be approved. Um, what. Could you maybe describe the you know, some of them and and you know exactly how Certainly. how poor Certainly. poorly founded they they actually are? You know there are basically four thrusts to the regulation. I mean we're, we're talking about a you know you know thirty some page document, so I can't talk about them all. But sure. basically four thrusts. You know one of them has to do with the facilities. Um, they double the required kennel space for a dog. They double it. Uh, I, I breed English setters. I would say the average English setter is about 45 pounds and about three feet long. Okay. The three feet long is key. Kennel size has to be uh, three times the, uh, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, five times the length of the dog and twice the width of the dog. Okay. Mm -hmm. Which means the average kennel, uh, ha I mean, no, the minimum kennel has to be six feet wide and 15 feet long. Okay. Uh, okay, now a couple of things you've got to understand. If you went down to your local farm supply store, probably you couldn't buy a legal kennel because none are for sale there. Mm -hmm. uh, every, I mean, I, I checked. Every kennel at the two <laughs> farm supply stores where I live would fail to meet the test. Jeez. Uh, you know, there is a standard there, uh, a standard of what is good and healthy for a dog. Okay. And I'm not saying it's not good to have a long kennel. My own shortest kennel is 16 feet long and many are 24 feet long because I personally like to give them a lot of room. Sure. So that's actually one part of the regulations that wouldn't affect me at all. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's my personal feeling, my personal opinion. Uh, the fact of the matter is, there. Is, I mean, over the years, I've probably done business with 20 or 25 veterinarians. Mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I you know, always have to have about three veterinarians locally in case somebody's on vacation or sick or I just can't get an appointment sure. or I have an emergency. Uh, I'm on the road traveling a lot. I train in Texas. I train in North Dakota. Uh, I train in Michigan, Minnesota. Uh, I've been to vets in all those states. Mm -hmm. uh, I have yet to see a veterinarian's kennel, a veterinarian's kennel that would even come close passing these new regulations. Oh, man. And something tells me that veterinarians know more about dogs than politicians as a group. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, that, I mean, let's, let's put that in another perspective. Let's say we're talking about human beings. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, it says that it has to be twice as wide as the person is tall. Okay. And twice, or excuse me, and five times as long as the person is tall. Is the state willing to go into every one of its prisons and make a cell for every inmate that's six foot tall, which I'm about six one, my size, mm -hmm. and make it 12 feet wide and 30 feet long? Sure. If standards are good enough for a dog, they should 
be I mean, good enough for yeah, a human, right? Good enough for a dog. It should be good enough for a human being. Sure. And that's the the, the the point of absurdity. We're not talking about dogs being put into a kennel the size of a bathtub. Mm-hmm. We're talking about dogs being put into a kennel the size of an average room <laughs> as being the current standard. And they're talking about doubling that. Oh, man. This, that, <laughs> this is so... Probably uh, your kitchen is not as big as the current requirement for a kennel for a 45 dog. Probably your living room, dining room, and kitchen combined could not be a big enough kennel for a 45-pound dog mm-hmm. under the new regulations. Oh, this is... Oh. Yeah. This is, yeah. this is so, so scary. To make, yeah, imagine dairy farmers having to make a stall for every cow that's 14 feet wide and... 30-some feet long. That's the equivalent. That's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I can go through on and on and on with the regulation. Sure. And, I mean, right now we have cold winter weather here. Yep. You know, one of the regulations requires ice-free water 24 hours a day. Uh, it was 12 below zero yesterday mm-hmm. morning. Um, <laughs> you know, they, the dogs get fresh water twice a day, fresh warm water. Mm-hmm. The ice is knocked out of their bowl. Uh, in the morning, and then it's knocked out of their bowls in the evening, and they get fresh, warm water in the evening. Mm-hmm. But if the dog warden showed up at 2 in the afternoon, it told me, well, it was probably got up to about 8 degrees above that yesterday about that time, those bowls would be solid ice. Yep. So the new regulation, that's, this is partly a management, part, partially a facilities thing, would require me to basically be out there full time giving them water in case the dog warden showed up. Sure. Uh, those kind of things are just totally irrational. Yep, I agree. Do, do you think there's? I mean, uh, to me, the, this this reeks of you know an animal rights push. It, 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 exactly, exactly. It's just like you know, the animal rights people, and and believe it or not, I'm not hostile to a lot of them because I love animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I I probably, you know, I mean, I care deeply about the welfare of animals and not just dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not at all hostile to the, to the philosophy behind caring about animals. Sure. But what what bothers me about the whole situation is that you have a group of people who have a political idea. Whether you think it's right or wrong is not the important thing. They have a political idea. Mm-hmm. And they try hard to convince the public to support them, and they fail. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen the same thing on numerous, numerous things. Sure. You know, yep. whether a war should be right, we are waged or not waged, you know, whether women should have an equal rights amendment or not have an equal rights amendment, mm-hmm. and animal rights. You know, they are subject to debate, subject to differences of opinion. And the animal rights people have tried to convince us to support them, and they failed. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they, we, you know, they've, they've all had their say, and they failed to convince the American public, the majority of people, that they should... Uh, Embrace the the goals of the animal rights agenda, <laughs> but instead of saying, "Okay, maybe we need to go back to the drawing board," what they've tried to do is to go into the back room, you know, to try to to sneak something in without the legis- you know, without the political process being involved yep. directly. Now, where there's no open debate, there's no vote. You know, they influence and gain the ear of certain people, and they try to sneak it through. Yep, I, I think. Politically and, and ethically, that's a wrong way to approach things. No, I, I agree um, completely. Yeah, and 
you know, the animal rights agenda, if you carry it to, uh, you know, it, but this way, the, the, what you would call an animal rights group probably supports a couple of things that I don't think the average American person is, is going to accept right now. Mm-hmm. You know, they oppose the private ownership of animals. That means they don't want you to own your pet poodle. They don't want you to own a cat. Mm-hmm. And they oppose what they, they call the exploitation of animals, which means uh, someone who makes a living from animals, whether it's someone who has a dairy herd and milks cows, or somebody who raises and trains a dog. You know, they believe that's exploitation and slavery. That's their viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're wrong, but that's their viewpoint. Sure. Uh, and uh, and I don't think the average American person uh, believes that. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially, they want us to be vegetarian. Um, well, if you look at the grocery store, most of us are not vegetarian. Right. <laughs> we've had that choice for, for our entire lives. Uh-huh. And we've said, well, maybe I like a hamburger. Maybe I like a steak. Maybe I like fried chicken. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've tried to, to convince us otherwise. They failed to convince us otherwise. So now they're trying to ram it down our throat. Sure. Um, and so in this case, I think the, the this is a, a kind of a backdoor step toward the elimination of all animals. Sure. If you can eliminate kennels, kennels that breed animals, that train animals, that board animals, you suddenly make it very difficult. And this, I think, applies to every one of your listeners. It makes it very, very difficult for that person to even own an animal. Mm-hmm. If you have a pet dog and the boarding kennels within 50 miles of you are all shut down because they don't meet regulations, you, what are you going to do when you go on a vacation? Yep. Or when you get sick? Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to buy a new puppy for your kids to play with, where are you going to buy it? Right. Um, and, you know, ultimately we play a major role. Now, you know, this is an outdoor program. Mm-hmm. Uh, in all of the sporting breeds, in all of them, breeding kennels play a huge role because that's how you get good hunting dogs. Sure. You don't get good hunting dogs through the casual backyard litter. Mm-hmm. You know, when Joe has a female and breeds it to a male that Pete down the road owns, that's not how you get good dogs. Sure, yep. You get good dogs through competition, through selective breeding, for people who basically dedicate their lives. You know, I do that, but so do hundreds of other people in Pennsylvania who mm-hmm. dedicate their lives to try to improving the breeds of dogs they work with, whether it's bird dogs, you know, retrievers, hounds, any of the sporting breeds, or any of the working breeds, you know, uh, you know border collies, uh, you know, herding dogs, mm-hmm. uh, you know, any of the working breeds. Um, it takes selective breeding and it takes a kennel to do that. Right. And... Uh, I mean, as a dog trainer, I can tell you, you're going to get your best dog from a breeding program, not from a backyard breeding. Sure. It's, uh, you know, it, it, this, this is this is so scary because I guess the next step for them, if it's dogs, then you know the yeah. they're, the larger larger animals like you you mentioned the dairy farmer, yeah. are, are, they have to be concerned with this too? I would imagine. Yes. Yeah, and it becomes a matter of legal precedent. Mm-hmm. I mean, from a legal point of view, what's the difference between a dog and a chicken? Mm-hmm. You know, there is none. You know, they're both what we would call domestic animals, meaning they're animals bred and raised by human beings. Um, legally, if one animal has certain rights and you know rights guaranteed to it by law, mm-hmm. it would certainly apply to another. Yep. It's oh, 
This is this is really. You know, I hope I hope the, our the same way there can't be different laws for white people and black people. Mm -hmm. There's laws for human beings. Right. You know, and white people and black people. I mean that like you know dogs and horses. Mm -hmm. There can't be different laws for dogs and horses. Sure. You know, there can't be different laws for you know people whose family originated in China and people whose family originated in Czechoslovakia. Sure. Um, yeah. You, you can't. I mean, the law is the law. Yep. Precedent is precedent. It's, you know, the, what do, is, is there any good news on, on on you know so far? Have has anybody really come to you know to uh, to our aid, so to speak? There are some, unfortunately, backdoor maneuvers by farm groups in Pennsylvania uh, who can see the threat to other kinds of agriculture. Um, and they may stand a good chance of success. Um, or at least as a holding maneuver mm -hmm. to temporarily block things. Uh, I kind of am getting secondhand information about about that, so I can't really be definitive. Uh, but there is some talk of uh, you know uh, the, the farm groups put this way: one of the one of the strongest political lobbies in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. uh, they can influence a lot of votes, uh, and uh, they have some clout. Good. Uh, you know, I have uh, some optimism that the farm groups are really going to come through for us. Uh, but is it going to be enough? Right. Is it going to be more than just a temporary holding pattern? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Uh, we do have some excellent, excellent people who have, uh, who are in the House and Senate, who have track records of supporting. Uh, uh, Small business supporting animal rights. Uh, I mean, animal rights in the sense of that I'm talking about. Yeah, right, right. You know, the, the right of people to raise animals and the right of animals to be companions to man. I mean, that, to me, that's an animal right. Sure. Yep. You know, if if you oppose the private ownership of animals, ask a dog's opinion of that. Right, right. And ask him if he doesn't want he or she doesn't <laughs> want to be around a human being. Sure. I mean, I can't get my dogs off my bed. You know. <laughs> you know? Yep. Sure, sure, by all means. A state legislator from uh, Somerset. Uh, I sent letters to, uh, oh, I uh, must be like at least 40 senators uh, and, and legislators mm -hmm. uh, you know, who were who on the agriculture committees and uh, the leadership of them. And one person responded, one of them, out of at least 40 I sent. Mm -hmm. His name is Bob Bastion. Okay. He represents a district near Somerset, Pennsylvania. I said, I don't know the man. The man's a veterinarian. Mm -hmm. He's a legislator now, but he was a veterinarian for many years. And I got a just a wonderfully supportive message from him. Oh, great. And I'd like everybody to know this is a good guy. Sure. Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, uh, uh, maybe an email of, of, you know, thanks for the support yeah. to, to uh, yeah. you know, Senator Bastian would be, a, you know, a good move for any, any of our listeners. Because yeah, Representative Bastian. Representative Bastian, okay. Um, and, uh, that can't be, it can't be a bad thing that, you know, to have him, you know, Pulling for us, so um, is is there anything? Any uh, you mentioned the, the kennel size um, and yeah, the, and the water. Are there any other uh, you know facets of this sure. these regulations yeah, that scare you? Uh, which is something I guess I'm guilty of a lot. Um, you know, you've got the physical size. Uh, I want to say one more thing. Sure. Yeah, by all, go right ahead. Okay. Actually, I'm going to say two more things. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing is 
many kennels cannot do it, you know, because of zoning restrictions, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, many kennels, for example, an indoor kennel, the building, the walls won't stretch. Right. If you build a building a year ago that was perfectly legal, your kennels are going to take up every inch that you can spare for kennels. Right. You know, if it's, let's say, a concrete block building, let's say. Uh, how are you going to stretch it to make double the run size? Right. Physically impossible. The only choice would be to either cut your kennels in half, the number of kennels, so your income is cut in half, mm-hmm. you know, so that your building holds half as many kennels that are twice as long, build more buildings, or tear it down and start all over again. Mm-hmm. Um now, the state, you know, as part of the regulations, estimates its cost at five to $20,000 per kennel. Oh, my goodness. Um, I don't think even 20000 will come close for all but the smallest kennel. Really? Uh, just try to tear, tear out a building and rebuild it. Uh, in my case, I would have to tear out every single kennel run I have to replace the surface to make the surface meet those legal standards <laughs> and then build them back again. Uh, that's true of probably most kennels in the state. You know, how do you suddenly, I mean, if you have a three-bedroom house and you you and your wife and have two kids, mm-hmm. what do you do when you have a third kid? You know, you can't stretch your house. Right. It doesn't work. Uh, so that's, that's the one point about mm-hmm. facilities I think needs to be made. It's very, very costly, mm-hmm. prohibitively costly. I mean, we don't make a lot of money in the dog business. We do it because we love it. Sure. You know, I mean, frankly, my business, business is marginal. You know, I have to struggle to get by. Mm-hmm. And I do it because I love it. And I think that's true of most of us. Um, you know, we make a lot more money doing other things. So how do we even afford doing it? Right. And you know, that's the second point. It's just not viable. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't just go down to our bank and say, lend me 100000 to build a new kennel facility. Right. Because they look at our income statements and they would laugh at us. Mm-hmm. We can't do that. Most of us have actually put it together like one step at a time. Um and, uh, you know, one step at a time out of our pocket. Mm-hmm. The, the, okay, the, the, the second part of the regulations is it is literally impossible to comply with from a management point of view. Okay. Uh, for example, every dog has to be exercised 20 minutes a day. And when you say exercise, okay. it's a can't, you can't just put it on a, on a tie out. I mean, you physically have to walk it, right? It has to be, you have to either walk it on a leash or put it in a... Uh, a, a group exercise area which is highly restrictive. You you can't mix genders. You can't put males to females. You you know you, you know you, you can't mix a. You can't put a 25 pound dog with a 35 pound. Dog. And, and these these are all stipulations so, of these new potential yeah, regulations. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and the exercise area has to be meet the same requirements as a kennel. You know we can't take. I mean, you you could not take your dog out in your yard. That would not count. That would be illegal. Jeez. You cannot take your dog on a bicycle, you know, you know, on a leash on a bicycle, riding it through the park. Mm-hmm. That's illegal. Uh, you can't take your dog hunting for two hours. That doesn't count as exercise. Wow. Uh, you can't run your dog in a field trial. That doesn't count as exercise. They have to be in this sterile, inhumanly sterile environment, almost like a sickbed in a hospital. <sighs> being either walked by you or personally supervised by you 20 minutes a day each. And the irony is the exercise area doesn't have to be any bigger than the kennel. Are you kidding? Oh, my goodness. 
But meanwhile, now, if you think about it, now, you know, I've got big kennels. I've, I've got a litter of puppies uh, that are eight weeks old. I'm supposed to take each one of them out and walk them 20 minutes. Well, how am I going to earn a living training dog? Right. How am I going to clean the rest of the kennel? Um, you simply, in the time of the day, the average kennel, unless they're only a small kennel like 10 or 12 dogs, the average person could not possibly physically do it in, a, in, in, in the course of a day. Oh, man. Uh, I mean, even a lot of people have kennels that like are like, you know, 10, 12 dogs. Mm-hmm. You know, they're hunters, they're field trialers. Sure. Small kennels, but they work all day. They don't make their living on that. Mm-hmm. But they still have to have a kennel license because they have a couple litters of puppies a year. Yeah. Uh, they work all day. You know, they work 9 to 5 like, like you do probably. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and so they're supposed to come home and besides cleaning them, feeding them, loving them, carrying them, training them, they're supposed to find 20 minutes to walk them around on a leash every mm. day and document that. Jeez. Um, you know, so from a management point of view, it simply won't work. Yep. Um, and then there are also totally stupid things. Like when you sterilize a kennel, when you hose it down, you have to totally remove the dog until it's dry. Well, this is Pennsylvania. It's humid. It's, you know, you know what it's like. It's always, there's always moisture. Sure. Yeah, and if you hose down your driveway, how long does it take it to dry? Yeah. Um, so you basically have to have two kennels for every dog. Oh, my goodness. Now, not just two kennels, two kennels that meet this huge new size requirement. <laughs> From a management point of view, there's no way you can do it. Absolutely no way you can do it. So, so you, before you put, you, after you clean the kennel and before you put the dog back in, it has to be completely dry. Yeah. Yet, uh-huh. yet, the, yeah. the, if I understood also, the dog can't be walked on wet grass or anything like that. Can't walk so, on wet grass. So ba- basically, they can't get their feet wet or muddy. So basically, you've you got to put it. Morning on your on your lawn is wet. They can't, you can't do that. Yep, yeah, you've got to put the dog in a second facility yeah. that's dry while the main facility yeah. is drying, yeah. and yeah. the the second facility has to also meet the regulations. Yeah, I mean, some of it you'd even want to laugh at if, if there wasn't a bullseye on your back. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, for example, there is a requirement that you walk every female and puppies. It doesn't say they have to be old puppies. They're talking about you have to exercise a newborn puppy that was born an hour ago. I mean, you want to laugh at it, except you know that they can cite you and fine you, you know, several hundred dollars if you don't. Sure. I mean, that's, yeah. And, I mean, it, 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 it's absurd. It creates a, poss- a, a situation you cannot, absolutely cannot do. Even if you wanted to, you couldn't do it. This is, and and, and it, it sounds that, the, you know, it, these regulations were made this difficult completely intentionally to yes. take away dog ownership yeah. from, from the yeah. citizens of PA. They a situation that is impossible to comply. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd like to be charitable about it and say, well, they're just misguided. They're just misinformed. They don't know dogs. But, you know, I can't believe that. Yeah, I mean, to, I mean it's got to be a deliberate attempt to make sure everybody feels these new regulations. It's, that's, I mean, I mean to nobody have to... Nobody can be that dumb. It, you know, exactly. Nobody can be that dumb. Nope, I mean, to walk a dog... In, you know, and it can't be moisture. It takes away, you know, summer morning walks outside, yeah. and yeah. It, it's the, somebody had to know. Well, look, if we tell these people they can't walk their dog when it's moisture, that leaves out the morning, you know, and then they yeah. can't put it back in the kennel till it's dry. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it, it's 
Yeah. You know, it's it's forced suicide almost. It, yeah. This is. And, and I mean, I and I think it's totally cruel to require a dog to be, you know, exercised in this sterile environment. Mm-hmm. You know, a covered, you know, rainproof, windproof, waterproof environment. You know, with with sterilized cement. I mean, I think that's cool. I mean, I love to see my dogs running on my around my yard. As soon as we're off the phone, I'm going to let a half a dozen of them out the back door. Sure. To run around. Yep. Uh, I mean, they they love it. They yeah. have fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's they uh, I mean, it's totally cool to to essentially prohibit that uh, from a hunting point of view. I mean, like I make my living as a dog trainer. Mm-hmm. You know, my dogs get their butts worked off when I take them out in the woods. You know, they're going hard for an hour. Sure. But that doesn't count. <laughs> and, and, and other, I mean, there are other things in there that are just patently cruel. You know, for example, I mean, you probably bought a puppy in your life, haven't you? Yep, sure. Well, if you buy a new puppy, let's say, uh, in your licensed kennel, you can't just simply bring that pup into your house with the rest of your dog. You can't, like, put it into a kennel with other puppies so it can play. Mm-hmm. You have to isolate it and quarantine it for 14 days. Now, do you know what that does to a pup? Well, sure. That, that's the, the critical aid for socialization. And playmates and affection. Yep. That's one of the coolest suggestions I've ever heard. Absolutely. That dog needs its litter mates or, or yeah. your companion dogs yeah. at that stage of its life. And, sure. Oh, this, you know, it, it, it's, it's frustrating, but on, on, the, on you know, the flip side, it's, it's very... Yeah. It, it makes me very angry to, that somebody would, yeah, would intentionally design... You know things that yeah. they they obviously knew cannot be you know complied yeah. with, and yeah. and then tried to sneak it behind everybody and you know, haha here we go I'm going to show up your doorstep and yeah. you're got you know 17 violations you know goodbye to your yeah. license and here come the fines and it's uh, you know hopefully some of our listeners understand the the the, the severity of what's going on here sure. and you know, you know we've got it we've got a boarding dog board. You know, there's some other things in there that are going to affect everyone. Mm-hmm. For example, you cannot keep a short-haired breed of dog in an outdoor kennel. It has to be in a, in a climate-controlled indoor facility. Well, if you look at sporting breeds, that means you can't keep a beagle in an outside kennel. You can't keep a coon hound in an outside kennel. Mm-hmm. You can't keep a German short-haired pointer, mm-hmm. a pointer, a Wiesler, a Weimariner. Mm-hmm. You can't keep them in an outdoor kennel. And that probably affects a lot of hunters in Pennsylvania. Oh, right I'm there. sure, absolutely. Sure. Uh, and anybody, I mean, those dogs evolved in, have evolved in cold climates. You know, I mean, I mean, those they've been in, they've been in Pennsylvania kinds of climates or worse, you know, for hundreds of years. Sure. And they've evolved and they've thrived. And you know, and, and they also have some very vague regulations in here. Like, for example, you cannot keep a quote young dog or quote an older dog in an outside kennel. I mean, what's a young dog? Right. I mean, uh, I mean, it, I mean, everybody knows, you know, it, it, it's, it's winter. You know, I can't have a litter of puppies born outside. Anybody sure. knows that. Right. Okay, but a young dog, I mean, puppies defined as a puppy until it's a year old. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a year old bird dog, puppy is a tough customer. Sure. I mean, I, I'm sitting here freezing my butt off at 12 below, and I walk out in the kennel, and they're playing with each other. They're romping and stopping and having a wonderful time. <laughs> uh, they, they, they're not human beings. They don't have our standards. They enjoy sure. what, you know, for us would be would be wicked conditions. They're having a great time. Sure. Um, older dog, what's that? 
Right. You know, I think I think I've seen posters in the veterinarian's office that you know, at six years old, your dog is starting to get old. Well, I mean, so I mean, who, they don't need to find it. What's an older dog? Right. A young dog. It's. Um, but yet, they can probably write you up and find you several hundred dollars uh, if their opinion of a young or old dog is different than yours. Sure. And this probably again uh, intentionally left vague like that, so yeah, it's exactly. at the discretion of the of the uh, exactly. you know the enforcement agent. Uh huh. Oh man. And then, like another thing, would just be absolutely impossible in record-keeping requirements. As best as I can figure out from this monster regulation, every single dog in the kennel, you would have to fill out six separate forms every day on every single dog. If you had, you just imagine yourself. Mm-hmm. If you had a dog that had a litter of puppies, you had eight puppies. Mm-hmm. Caught in the mother. If those are the only dogs you had, mom and eight puppies. You would have to fill, if you had a kennel license, would have to fill out 9 times 6, 54 forms a day. And, and what, what, what are they recording on the forms? Like feeding times, things like that? or Feeding times, when you clean their dish, when you sterilize their dish, when you clean their kennel, when you sterilize their kennel, when you exercise them. And, you know, here's another thing that makes me think this is a deliberate attempt to destroy us. How do they prove it's true? Yeah. You and I could lie like draw teeth on these forms. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to sit and fill them out, but nobody's there to prove we actually did it. So in other words, they're not really proving anything. They're not proving the dogs are being taken care of. They're simply throwing all these papers at kennel owners. Jeez. Mm, A typical kennel would have to fill out 300, I mean, an average size kennel, 300 hundred forms a day that serve absolutely no purpose, cannot be verified for accuracy. They're simply paperwork that has to be there and that they can fine you and shut you down if it's not there. And and God help you if it's they winter and you gotta your dog. God help you if it's you winter and you have to go out and break ice. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they can confiscate your dog, they can euthanize your dog oh if you don't fill out your three hundred pages of paper every day. Oh, real you know, I guess That's the, the kind of power this license gives. You know, uh, or these, not the license, the, 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 the regulations they're trying to put through. Jeez. Mm, and it, in your opinion, John, is there, is this, you know, very, it, it, are, do we stand a chance, you know, we mean, you know, the average dog owner and kennel owner, do we stand a chance to, you know, to see this thing, you know, pushed away or, or altered so it's not so you know, mean-spirited? I think... We, we stand a good chance if, if everybody who cares does something. Mm-hmm. Contact your legislators, write some uh, demands, their, or ask their support, uh, protest to the governor, protest to the Department of Agriculture. If people show they care, we stand a chance. Like, remember, the animal rights people, they're, they're well-organized groups. Mm-hmm. You know, they have memberships, they have dues, they have newsletters, newspapers. We don't have anything. Right. We don't have an organization for us, for people who have dogs, particularly mm-hmm. hunting dogs. We just don't have them. Um, you know, there are, are, are some limited organizations, uh, I mean, who've never contacted me to join them. Sure. You know, and, and so, uh, but, you know, so, but they have a very, very strong organization. When they say, write a letter to your senator in Pennsylvania, they can come up with 10,000 letters like that. Yeah. At a snap of a finger. 
We can't. We've got to call up and say, hey, could you write your congressman? Could you write your legislator? Could you write your senator? Could you write your governor? Mm -hmm. They simply have a mass mailing and actually have a letter that you just clip out and sign. Mm -hmm. But when the numbers count, I mean, that's a lot of numbers. Sure is, yeah. They're dedicated. You know, most of us do it because we love it and and because we enjoy enjoy having dogs, enjoy hunting with dogs, Mm -hmm. being around dogs. But, you know, we're not fanatics about it. We just like it. Sure. Yep. Uh, those guys are fanatics, and when they say mail your, you know, clip out the letter and mail it, they're going to clip it out and mail it. So as as much support as we get, that's what's going to either save save the dog business in Pennsylvania, or allow it to go down the drain. Hmm. It's whether the average person, just somebody who loves dogs, has a dog or two, may even want to get a dog or two sometime, has hmm. you know, enjoys hunting with a dog, being around a dog, having a family pet. Uh, to care enough to write to help us out. Sure. Yeah, and hopefully our listeners are, are taking this to I heart because it's this is a serious issue. This is a serious issue and hopefully they're uh, you know everybody's paying attention. Yeah. So well we're we're uh, <laughs> we had quite a good talk. Is there <laughs> any any final notes you wanna you wanna uh, you know throw out there? Um and, and just just you know any, any anything uh that that you wanna mention? Two things I wanna mention. Sure. Uh one of them, the last one's going to be philosophy, if you don't mind getting, getting a little highbrow here. Not at all, not at all. Okay. The first one is not philosophy, though, it's horror. You know, Governor Rendell, and he announced this program, basically has created a super SWAT team in the Department of Agriculture for Kennel. Okay. Okay. He, he named a woman named Jessie Smith, who... Uh, it seems to be qualified in terms of dogs. You know, she's uh, been active on the Humane Society around Harrisburg, uh, but she's uh, an attorney general's office is what her experience is, prosecution, uh, to head this effort. Um, and uh, then she, he also named, uh, uh, you know, several different other prosecutors and former police officers. You know, we're not talking about people who love dogs. We're talking about assistant district attorney in Beaver County. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, former police officers hired uh, like is a SWAT team to come down and on kennel. Now, okay, there are fifteen hundred of us. Okay, fifteen hundred of us. Uh, there are, I don't, I think somewhere, I, I don't know this number exactly, but somewhere around forty dog wards right now in Pennsylvania. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they're creating this, you know, this this big SWAT team uh, that is at least seven people. Now, if you can imagine a town of fifteen hundred people. Now, in my neck of the woods, that would be a town like Tyanesta, mm-hmm. a town like Shippenville, a town like Polk. Um, what you know, most people would call a bump in the road. Mm-hmm. Fifteen hundred people is not a whole lot of people. If you can imagine a town of Pennsylvania anywhere was seven cops and a prosecuting attorney. <laughs> uh, probably if there's a town in 1,500 people, probably doesn't even have a cop. Mm-hmm. Definitely doesn't have its own prosecuting attorney. If it has a cop, it's probably one guy who works split shifts. Mm-hmm. Okay, for 1,500 kennels, they're creating this super SWAT team to descend on anybody and shut them down and prosecute them. <laughs> Uh, that shows a whole lot about what their attitude is toward us. Yes, it does. Uh, it shows about what their attitude is toward people. I mean, there's a there, there, there's a Nazi quality to that. Sure. 
you know, there's a brown shirt quality to that. Uh, you know, there's a Gestapo, you know, kick down the door and arrest you quality to that. Sure. Um, to, to create a SWAT team. It's not, I mean, we're not murderers. We're, we're kennel operators who may not fill out 300 forms a day correctly. Right. You know, that hardly, did, you know, that kind of police power, that kind of overkill of police, mm-hmm. I think that's something our citizens need to know about because whoever you are, <laughs> they might do that to you. Sure. Uh, we're talking like, you know, like the mafia enforcers. Mm-hmm. Here. You know, we're not talking about anything that has to do with a presumption of innocence, a presumption that most most kennel operators and most citizens are decent people. Mm-hmm. We're talking about get us. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's I think very wrong for a government to do. Absolutely, sure. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. You know, philosophically, it's. When you have a government that considers the people its enemy, when it essentially asks our consent to destroy us, mm-hmm. it asks us to, I mean, I pay $400 a year for a kennel license. I apply for it. Mm-hmm. I volunteer for it. Uh, yeah, I'm required to have it, but I mean, it's it's something I do. Right. Uh and then to treat you like that, I mean, that is hardly anything that could be called American to me. I, I, I completely you agree know, with where, you. Yes, where you define your constituents, the people you are there to protect and serve, mm-hmm. those police words, you define those people as the enemy. You know, you make every one of them in violation, every one of them guilty. You know, you have, you're not talking about people who are fighting pet bulls. That's been illegal for a long time. Sure. You know, you're talking about somebody who kennels may be a couple of feet too short, you know, whose surface may not meet their drainage requirement because it's not quite enough of a, of a slope, mm-hmm. uh, who, you know, fails to create, to, to complete this particular form or that particular form. Uh, you know, who, who even, <laughs> I mean, another thing, I mean, it just, I just thought, the dog houses, for a dog, they have to lay down mm-hmm. on their side, on their belly, and not touch the wall with any part of their body, including its tail. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Now, you could not, <laughs> wherever you live, I challenge you to go out and buy a dog house that a 40-pound dog can lay down into, because you aren't going to find one. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go to your local farm supplies, your local pet supplies, you know, your local kennel supplies. You can go to Walmart. You can go to any chain of store around you. You will not find a dog house that's even close. Because for a 45-pound dog, you're talking about a six-foot square dog house. Sure. You see, again, you set up a situation that is not only impossible, but it's also cruel. Sure. And this is winter. This is Pennsylvania. A dog's body heat cannot heat a six-foot-wide dog right. house. A dog needs the smallest body house that they can, com- can be comfortable in mm-hmm. and move around in and stretch out a little in. But they have to have it small enough to keep warm. Right. So they're actually causing a dangerous situation. Sure. And that when they can arrogantly do that, when they can arrogantly tell you that they are God... You know, that they are big brother mm-hmm. and that you don't know anything about raising dogs. Even if what they say kills your dog, 
because it freezes to death. It can't keep its doghouse warm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that says something about a government that I find personally very, very distasteful, un-American, something that flies in the, the, the face of everything that makes us American, from the Declaration of Independence to the Bill of Rights to the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Nazism. This is the Gestapo. This is totalitarianism. Sure, yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm I, right there with you. This is... Uh, this is borderline insanity. If if not even you know, insanity, this I can't believe somebody would yeah. even uh, wish yes. these regulations on somebody, let alone try to to apply that. You know, yeah. make them comply yeah. to them. It's yeah. oh, it. If it's, I wasn't convinced it was deliberate, I would agree with you. It's insane. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's deliberate. Absolutely. There's there's no uh, yeah. there's no logical because explanation for that. That's what they're doing. Well, let's let's hope. Uh, Thank you very very much, Eric. Sure, I mean let's let's hope this uh, I mean this rallies you know, some troops. Um, you know, we have a subscribership base, probably around three thousand people. So, That's great. Uh, you know, let's hope. I know a lot of them are dog dog owners because I do talk often about uh, my grouse and woodcock hunting. So, hopefully, uh, hopefully the listeners out there are uh, you know fired up as much as we are and and, sure. and contact their representatives, their senators, people on the ag committee. And uh, you know, let's I, let's I, get I this thing know. defeated. So I mean, if they love dogs, and they love and, 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 and if they love people who are in the dog business because they love it, if they mm-hmm. care about that, you know, if they care about freedom, if they care about the right to to have a business to make your own income, uh, we need their help. Sure and do. Hopefully yep. someday we can return the favor. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, well, uh, I'll tell you what, John, hang on a second. I'm going to do the conclusion. I, I want to talk to you a little bit sure. more. But uh, to all the listeners out there, let's uh, you know send those emails, send those letters to your reps, your senators. Yes. Let's get involved. Let's get this thing defeated. Let's uh, you know, let's keep all the great grouse kennels we have in Pennsylvania. And, and well, I'm you. proud thank proud you. to be you know Pennsylvanian because I know so many good yeah. uh, grouse kennels well, in this state. There's something you can be proud of. Yep. And I... It, Countless it, Grand National Grouse Champions from Pennsylvania. Absolutely, and it in hurts. November this year, the, the Grand National Championship was run in Pennsylvania. Was that? It was um, Pennsylvanians. You know, there's some fine handlers, fine trainers here. And, and I can rattle off a list of. I mean, you know, the the the, the winningest shooting dog trainer year is a man named George Tracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, over a hundred championships. Nobody in history has come close. Sure. to Sure. He's a Pennsylvanian. Yeah, it, it would it, it would hurt. Me personally, to see all these good dog trainers that call Pennsylvania home be forced out of the state or just you're completely out of business. It's yep, it's Dave not ex- set the, the all time record for winning grouse championships. It's, yeah, he lives near Clearfield. Sure, That's and it's not it's not yeah. acceptable. And and uh, you know, let's hopefully we can get you know this taken care of. But part of the thing that, that is really special about this state. Yep, absolutely, I agree with you 100. Okay. percent but um, so to all my listeners, thank you for tuning in. Let's get those letters sent. And until next time, have a good one. This week's episode of Creekside Outdoors has been brought to you by HuntingPA.com, Pennsylvania's premier outdoor website. For all things hunting and outdoors in Pennsylvania, visit HuntingPA.com.